It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Come join with me, my friends. Kunaran and all I share. 
amazing i must say friday morning broadcast it's jm in the am good morning everybody off to an amazing start for this friday 6 33 in the morning 27 minutes before seven o'clock here in the east friday morning on this june the 16th day 22 in the month of sivan mazal tov to all the graduates out there big shout out to those who graduated after middle school last night a, a big shout-out to all the dads out there. Father's Day is Sunday, so we say happy Father's Day. And we are ready for our Friday morning broadcast. Big thank you to Avrami, to Miriam L. Wallach, to ZK, and to everybody else who had a role in yesterday morning's show. Had a very, very last-minute uh, change to yesterday morning's jam in the AM, and I uh, was not able to make it here. Uh, but, of course, the team uh, stepped in, took over, and the rest is history. Another great addition uh, was produced and hosted, and here we are on a Friday getting ready to wrap up the week. Don't forget, weekly update comes at you at 7.40 Eastern Time, 7.40 Eastern Time for the weekly update. And uh, seven forty Eastern Time uh, for the weekly update, and of course, our reunion at 8.15, and plenty more happening there we go. Uh, plenty more happening on a Friday morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, we'll remind you about the uh, Yom Iyun Tchelet, the Yom Iyun about Tchelet going on in Baltimore. We'll remind you about all the Simchas happening. By the way, a Mazel Tov going out to the Danziger and Rubinoff families. A Brian D. Danziger here on the Lower East Side. Benjamin Rubinoff from Toronto. They were married last night 
in Brooklyn, New York. We say Mazal Tov to Julie Densger and the entire family and the Rubinoff family from all of us here at um, JM in the AM. And we have Simcha's going on this uh, weekend as well. We'll give you all that information coming up. Candle lighting at 8.09 on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach. If I can get this mouse to work properly, then I will tell you what music you've been hearing. You heard Hafachta from the Kosher Halftime Show. That was Aryeh Kunstler and company. Shalshelis Jr. had Chai. Od Yishama, that's Derek Achim. Ohad and Sorot. Kol Yimei Chayav is Benny Friedman. Rami Kleinstein with Matanot Ktanot. Mizmar Shir was Aryeh Kunstler. And Regesh and Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Candlelighting 8.09 on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is going to be um, Shabbos and Sunday. Next week, Shabbos and Sunday, uh, you'll have your Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Uh, good morning to JM from Teaneck who wants to hear Eighth Day. We'll try to do that. Good morning, or I should say good afternoon to Malki. With greetings from Yerushalayim, she says. She loves when we play Matanot Ketanot on Friday mornings. That comment comes from our app. If you want to comment on our app, let us know where you're listening, what you want to hear, what you love about the show. We are always ready to um, to hear what you have to say. That is for sure. Uh, weekly update, we told you an hour from now, and plenty more happening on a Friday morning as we continue at JM and the AM. This is the prayer for the soldiers of the IDF. And kudos to all the synagogues and groups that say this prayer on Shabbat or whenever it's said where you are. Here it is from all of us here at JM in the AM.
אין אנחנו מספיקים להורוס לכל. השם אלוקינו ואלוקי אבותינו. אין אנחנו מספיקים להורוס לכל. השם אלוקינו ואלוקי אבותינו.
Shabbos Kodesh. You didn't prepare for Shabbos Kodesh. Joy is in the air for Shabbos Kodesh. Everyone with a soul of flame to meet the Shabbos Kodesh. Everyone with a role to play to greet the Shabbos Kodesh. A priceless gift, a spiritual lift. Everyone finds a way to assist. Do whatever they can do for the Shabbos Kodesh. A pleasure for the Jew is a Shabbos Kodesh.
JM in the AM, Friday morning broadcast with Benny Freeman off of the uh, Shabbos Kodesh album. Or I should actually say the Shabbos Kodesh selection off of the uh, B'nai Hechala album. Shalshelas had Aisha's Chal. You heard Ein Anachnu done by Diaspora. David Perlman's Adon Alam. The prayer for the IDF soldiers come from came from the uh, Mizrahi World Movement album entitled Jerusalem's Jubilee, done by the Hesder Yeshiva Boys Choir. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Ah, uh, yes, what's happening on the NSN app? Let's check it out. Let's see what's happening. Listener Adam says loud and clear from Yerushalayim. I don't think listener Adam was happy with the result of the Yankee game last night. Uh, love Yerushalayim says, thank you for always providing quality productions. Love JM and the AM. Can we play Chizku by Mordechai Shapiro? All right, we'll try to get to that. Thank you for your suggestion, for your compliments. Sunday is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh will be next Shabbos and Sunday. Candlelighting 809 on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach, 809 in the New York area. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. So we get set for the... Uh, so we get set for this uh, relatively long Shabbos, <laughs> as Shabbatot go. Allison Josephs, Jew in the City, she'll join us coming up at 8.35. There's a brand new Maccabees collaboration um, called Lachadodi to the tune of Sound of Silence. We'll talk with her about that. We'll speak with her about that coming up. Malcolm Honeline, 40 minutes from now with the weekly update. want to thank Avrami and uh, Miriam Alwalik and ZK and everybody responsible for yesterday's show. Had a last-minute uh, change of plans. Was not able to be here, so I thank everybody who pitched in, to say the least. Coming up, Naomi Nachman at 9 o'clock with a brand-new edition of Table for Two, part two of her interview with Moses Wendell, executive chef from Beast, and Alex Werner, executive chef from Fireside. She also welcomes Mikey and Bella Lowy from Spices for Less. That's all happening at 9 o'clock. Then the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, sponsored by Kedem. The 1 o'clock Arab Shabbos Live Lunch with Mark Zomik, sponsored by Kedem. It's all happening today. At the Nahum Siegel Network. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday era of Shabbos is next. We say Boker Tov from JMM. גליצאל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן, אימא שקורה עכשיו. צעירה בת עשרים נמצאה ללא רוח חיים בבית במושב יגל בשפלה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף. צוות הרפואי של מד"א שהוזעק אל הבית לא נותר ללקבוע את מותה של הצעירה. חקירת המשטרה העלתה חשד כי מותה נגרם ממנת יתר של סמים, וכי תרם מותה היה עם האדם נוסף שנראה עוזב את הבית. חוקרי המשטרה הצליחו לאתר את האיש בראשון לציון, והוא נעצר. החשד הוא סיפק לה את הסמים שגרמו למותה. בשעה הקרובה הוא יובא להערכת מעצר בבית משפט השלום בפתח תקווה. רוסיה מבהירה, אנחנו לא בטוחים במאת האחוזים שמנהיג דאעש על בגדד יחוסל בהפצצה בסוריה, מדווח כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. שר החוץ של רוסיה, סרגי לברוב, הבהיר כי ממשלת רוסיה אינה יודעת בוודאות אם אל בגדדי נהרג בהפצצה הסורית בעראקה ב-28 במאי. מוקדם יותר הודיע משרד ההגנה של רוסיה כי בהפצצה חוסלו כ-30 בכירים בדאעש, בהם גם ככל הנראה מנהיג הארגון אבו בכר אל בגדדי. על פי דיווחים ברוסיה, מוסקבה עדכנה את וושינגטון על הכוונה להפציץ את מקום המפגש של בכירי דאעש, שהתכנסו לדון בדרכי ההימלטות של לוחמיהם מעראקה לקראת המתקפה על העיר. תאונת עבודה באתר בנייה ביוקנעם, פועל בן 27, נפל מגובה שלושה מטרים ברחוב הגיא. הוא פונה לבית החולים רמב״ם במצב בינוני עם חבלת בטן. נסיבות האירוע נחקרות. כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל מזכיר שאמש נהרג הפועל השלושה עשר 
בתאונות בניין מתחילת השנה. עימות בין שר החינוך נפתלי בנט ליושב ראש האופוזיציה יצחק הרצוג בעקבות הצעת חוק של בנט, לפיה ידרש רוב של 80 חברי כנסת לחלוקת ירושלים. כתבנו מיכאל שמש. הרצוג תקף את הצעת יושב ראש הבית היהודי בטוויטר וכתב, בנט מחרב כל סיכוי לשלום, ירושלים לא מעניינת אותו, אלא רק הרס התהליך המדיני. בנט השיב, להפך הרצוג, הדרך היחידה לשלום אמת היא להעביר מראש שירושלים לא נושא לדיון. הרצוג הוסיף, בנט, אתה לא מפסיק להרוס כל סיכוי לשלום, מוביל את ישראל לסכנה חמורה. משטרת לונדון עצרה בסמוך לפרלמנט הבריטי גבר בשנות ה-30 לחייו כשברשותו סכין. לפי שעה לא דווח על נפגעים ולא צוין אם העצור הפגין כוונה לפגע בעוברי האורח. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות בצוות אופיר יונתן ומיכאל אבו.
לפעמים הפחד משתק אותך כמעט מבפנים ואין מילים רק להשפיל את המבט התמיד אין דרך לעבור ואין לעצור בכל מה שהיה לעולם לא יחזור בסוף כל הדרכים נשקף לו
Jam them, that's Avremo. And uh, I saw Avremo yesterday. He and his family sitting shiva for his uh, dear mother who passed away. Uh, we again extend our uh, condolences and wishes to the Friedman family from all of us here at JM in the AM. That was Avremo with uh, Ain Kelo Kenu. Uh, before that, Barry Weber and Gersher Tsar Chizku. By request, it's Mordechai Shapiro here at JM in the AM. There was a request on our app. Someone on our app just wrote Mazel Tov to Eitan Rosenfeld and Zoe Glaubach getting married on Sunday. Yes, we uh, this listener beat us to it. First of all, speaking of simchas, I want to wish a Mazel Tov on last night's simcha to the Danziger and Rubinoff families, and especially to Julie Danziger and the entire mishpacha. We say Mazel Tov. Brindy and uh, Binyamin were married last night. Brindy Danziger, Binyamin Rubinoff, they were married last night. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, then, as our listener just mentioned, a Mazel Tov going out to the Glaubachs and Rosenfelds, uh, Zoe and uh, Eitan, uh, they'll be married this coming Sunday. So we say Mazal Tov to them from all of us here at uh, JM in the AM. And then a Mazel Tov wish also on Sunday for our very own Elliot Weiselberg. A very special Mazel Tov to Amanda Loeb and Elliot Weiselberg. The wedding this coming Sunday. We look forward to celebrating with them. Uh, this coming Sunday, our very own sports editor, Elliot Weiselberg, Amanda Loeb. They are getting married Sunday. And again, Mazel Tov to the Loeb and Weiselberg families from all of us here at JM and the AM. So a lot of Simchas Baruch Hashem to report on and to wish Mazel Tovs on. And we wish everybody a very, very special Father's Day this coming Sunday from all of us here at JM in the AM. I want to thank Avrami and Miriam Alwalek and uh, ZK and everybody responsible for taking care of yesterday's program. I was out at the last minute yesterday, so a big, big thank you to them from all of us here at uh, JM in the AM and from the entire audience, I am sure. Also, my thanks to Miriam Alwalek for hosting the live lunch yesterday. We still have not reunited, <laughs> which was a joke last week, but now it looks like it's getting serious. I think it's been like four or five weeks, but hopefully next week we'll uh, we'll have exhausted that topic already. The second annual Yom Iyun for Batil Trelet is happening this coming Sunday. The Yom Iyun on Trelet happens this coming Sunday at 9 a.m. at Congregation Shomri Amuna down in Baltimore. Of Herschel Schechter, of Ari Leibowitz, or I've been seeing Halberstam are all participating. Information about the event and information about the special discounts right now for Parsha Shlach, uh, which is the Parsha we learn about Tzitzit. Go to trelet.com, T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T.com. That's T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T.com, trelet.com, for all the info on that. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. We'll do our weekly update coming up. Plenty more here on a Friday morning as we continue at the JM and the AM. There is so much happening. It's unbelievable. So many things going on. It's incredible. Um... Simcha Liner is next at JM in the AM.
Did that classic off of the NCSY Bencher app, an amazing app that uh, came out a few months back, you may recall, uh, to help people learn uh, Shabbos Miros. Amazing app from NCSY. I'll leave you sorry with Shlomo Katz here at Udi Davidi with Curry Bone. Rachem was done by Dvekus uh, here at the JM in the AM. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach, candle lighting at 8.09. Malcolm Honline coming up. We'll do our weekly update in a couple of minutes. It is... Um, Tomorrow is a is benching Rosh Chodesh day. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Shabbos and Sunday of next week. And Sunday, this Sunday, is Father's Day. We say Mazal Tov, or I should say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I want to take this opportunity and wish a Mazal Tov to our very own Elliot Weiselberg. Our sports editor is getting married on Sunday to Amanda Loeb and Elliot Weiselberg. Mazal Tov from all of us here. At JM in the AM. Also Sunday, Zoe Glaubach and Eitan Rosenfeld are getting married. To Edie and Elliot Rosenfeld and the extended Rosenfeld and Glaubach families, we say Mazal Tov as we get set for that big event from all of us here at JM in the AM. A lot of great simchas out there. All right, uh, Malcolm Holmline coming up. Plenty more happening on a Friday. It's JM in the AM.
J.M. the A.M. with Derech Achim and Imesh Gachech. Friday morning broadcast on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. Candle lighting at 8.09 in New York. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Seems our app has been a big resource for Mazdov wishes today. Mazdov, the Gila, Allswang, and Michael Silverstein. They're also getting married on Sunday. Mazdov to the extended Allswang and Silverstein families from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, my thanks to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Those of you out there who want to uh, print out hundreds, if not thousands, of articles before Shabbos about what's going on in Israel and the Jewish world, check out JewishWorldReview.com. Also, a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com. You know what they're all about? All about a, a very interesting news stories from around the Jewish world, even beyond all the great smachot that they report on a regular basis. Go to OnlySimchas.com where they continue to utilize a lot of our content for a lot of their great stories. We thank them for that. OnlySimchas.com. Check it out every day. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, and it's good to be with you. And I have to give some Mazel Tov shout-outs to Gabriella Bach, who graduated from uh, Rosemount Yeshiva, New Jersey, and Mindy Stein, who's graduating with Soros, and Ephraim Stein from Chaim in Brooklyn. So they all get Mazel Tovs. You're on a graduation tour. You have to be at all binge. of those. It's a binge. <laughs> <laughs> You you have to be at all of those, huh? Yeah, I want to be at all of those. I, of course, I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> can't always fit everything into your schedule, but very That's nice. True. Baruch Hashem. Uh, a lot of things going on out there, to say the least. Uh, I, I I don't even know what there is to say, uh, but I'm always interested on, in, in when it comes. Uh, I'm always interested in your take when it comes to really serious episodes in this country. The congressional shooting takes place this week. You know all the rhetoric going back and forth. You also know the calls for unity that have come from it. What, what were your uh, initial reactions and your impressions in light of this terrible episode? Well, first of all, it's outrageous uh, that uh, people, Congress members, planning uh, for uh, preparing for a game, and and the toll was not much, much higher if it weren't for the fact that uh, one of them was the majority whip and happens to get Capitol Police protection. If not for that, there was no one there with a gun. There was nobody there who would have protect him, and he fired off many, many rounds. Maybe some people say hundreds in that uh, in that time, and could have. And, and many were hiding in the dugout. If he had started shooting there, they would have had no protection. So, thank God the toll was was limited. But you know, there is something about the mood in the country, and it's not this one test, this one guy, and you know, doesn't. And it comes from all parts of the spectrum. We really have to think about what's happening in our society because every morning you wake up to some tragedy and some tragic shooting or, or event, which every society has, and you can't prevent it completely. But we got to show that it's not acceptable, and and maybe something good will come out of it if the members start to tone down the rhetoric at least. 
Do you sometimes think like others do that because of the way news is delivered today and because of the way everybody is completely, um, you know, encapsulated in, in the 24 hour news cycle, uh, do you sometimes think that, um, that, that, that it just, it hits home so much more directly because every one of us seems like we're, you know, just at the forefront of every news story. And it's the availability of the internet that you can live everything as it's happening. Yeah. It's not you didn't have to wait till the afternoon newspaper or the morning newspaper or even to the the, the newscasts, uh, which were not in those days even like we have them today. So it's it makes it much more immediate and and significant, and you follow every detail, even hearings and things like that. Right. I mean, that you become an actual participant in it, which can be good and bad. I think it turns a lot of people off to the on the political side you know and and i'm sorry for this aside and we'll get to the core of our conversation in a moment but i'm watching something yesterday where someone's interviewing a member of congress happens to be a democrat doesn't really matter and they're talking about this issue of unity etc and i i want this this and and of course a democratic congressman is very respectful and is, is as an and is in fact you know hoping publicly that there'll be more unity more respect etc um I was hoping that that congressman would respond to this questioner by saying, you know what, if you guys in the media would stop doing what you're doing and, and, and creating a conflict in this country on a regular basis, not even daily, on, on an hourly basis, creating this conflict in this country and really ramping you, you guys who are ramping up the rhetoric. So with the mass media, with the responsibility they've always had, but now with the tools that you described, I don't know, we may be facing a losing battle here. Well, I, I mean, I think unity is too much a demand right now, but at least the changing in the rhetoric and the, the toning down of, of the immediate and, and condemnatory comments on, on everything that, that occurs and thinking about what the consequences of their words are amongst the constituents, amongst people. I mean, the Internet is almost impossible to control today. And despite the promises by some of them to, to eliminate some of the hate sites, they pop up faster than anybody can can cut them out. The, the comments that are made there have virtually almost no control over. Right, that's so those in positions of leadership have to think about how they contribute to, to this, and that means across the board. No question. I would still put more of the blame on the mass media. Maybe that's just because of the events of this week. All right, moving to Israel, we read about the uh, IDF soldier, the son of former member of Knesset Dov Lippmann, who was attacked in Meir Sharem. I, I don't know even if you know how um, prevalent these cases are of soldiers being harassed in quote-unquote ultra-Orthodox neighborhoods. But I will say one thing, and this is in light of what we spoke about last week, in light of certain demonstrations and gatherings that were taking place, if, if people would have accurate information about what's really going on, if people would understand that in Israel there's a demand by the government, just like in the United States, to sign up for quote-unquote selective service, and that is all the government of the state of Israel is demanding of their citizens, uh, just like happens here in the United States. And I would bet that everybody in this audience who has an 18-year-old has made sure that they have gone ahead and, and registered. Uh, if this information would be accurately reported and the rhetoric in this area would be, uh, would be um, toned down, I think we would have less of those types of reactions in certain neighborhoods of Israel. And here. And the... And, uh, the, you know, but I think it goes beyond it. There were several cases of young men being beaten up and, and one very seriously in Meir Sharim or near Meir Sharim because they were wearing uniforms. 
and the you know the security of the people who beat him up is contingent on these guys and on the IDF. And when is when they defend Israel, they don't say we're going to defend these sections or those parts of Israel. And for them not to think about the consequences, it's one thing if even if they don't want their own kids to go or they you know condemn the what happens in the military for whatever obscure reason, but the. The idea that you beat up people and that you condemn them and you isolate them and that, you know, there's a program just to take these from soldiers who, who can't go home to, to give them places to live, etc. It's, uh, you know, this is really such a, a distortion of reality and of responsibility. And I would hope that the leaders, even those who are critical, ought to speak out against this. I mean, this is so far beyond what should be tolerated in any respect. You can have political differences. And again, you've got to express it in responsible ways. And if people can beat up on the street, guys, because they're wearing IDF uniforms, it's not acceptable. Uh, I admire the strength behind your words. I am shocked that there aren't rabbinic figures in those types of neighborhoods who are coming out and simply putting a stop to that part of these activities. It is, it is shocking, frankly, and uh, this is not the way that anybody in our community anywhere uh, should behave. And, and when these things do happen, you do see um, leaders in the community, certain types of leaders in the community react and to condemn it. But in this case, we haven't seen what you're asking for, and I hope we will soon. Um, so have the has the PA uh, stopped making these martyr payments, stopped the payments to families of Palestinians killed or wounded carrying out attacks against Israelis? No, yes, no, yes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what he asking the president, or secretary of state, or the, the president of the PA? The answer is no. They never, and they they immediately denied what Secretary Tillerson said about cutting off payments. What they did say probably was, "Well, we'll work out something," as they did in the past when they shifted the payments from the PA to the PA PLO. So they're saying, well, we're not paying it, but they gave the money to the PLO to make the payments. This is the payments to those who kill and murder or their, or their survivors. And they said, we will never cut off the, the widows, and as if this is some sort of a welfare fund for heroes, as a po- which they do describe it as, uh, in, and starting with Abbas. And we have got to, as you've seen my statement, stop the tolerance of Abbas and the excusing of Abbas. He's the head. He's the the guy himself engaged in this stuff by the honoring and the recognition of of the terrorists, naming schools and all the other things that go on in the incitement in the in in the uh, in through textbooks, mosques, uh, publications, media, Palestinian media. That that's one. And and second, the Congress has to go ahead and enact the Taylor Force Law, and the Knesset has a comparable law, that there has to be some consequence, at least a financial consequence, and, and always finding excuses that, oh, well, if we, we, we have to support them because it's social welfare. It's, it isn't. They're going to look for some obfuscation. That's essentially what they said, and Secretary Tillerson thought that they were really going to uh, stop it. Uh, based not, on, we should have known from from past history that 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 is not the case. Based on and what it, was, and was, it is not the case. Based on what was he assured that in some meeting or something? I think what happened was when they had uh, the meetings with the when Abbas uh, had the meetings. Uh, they they he they, this is again uh, again a repeat of the same scenario, the same show that we've seen before. 
it is what he has done all the time and on other issues as well, but on this one in particular, where they they cut off uh, 44 guys who were former um, uh, formerly recipients of the aid from Hamas, because he's doing something against Hamas. It has nothing to do with compliance with what the world is demanding, U.S. is demanding, but Europeans as well, and others, and Israel, of course. But it was because he has a fight with Hamas, so he cuts off these 44 guys from their, their pensions. He, he lies and distorts all the time, and, and we have to be very careful not to fall into this trap. And maybe it's you know because uh, it's, it's his first round with him that he doesn't know that uh, that this is the standard practice. So we're putting on notice to say this is standard proceedings for uh, for for Abbas, and just know that he's going to find a way to continue to to pay the quote martyrs and the prisoners. And it amounts to 7% of their total budget. It's over $300 million a year. Right. Uh, we've spoken about Hamas and its stockpiling weapons and building tunnels <clears throat> either in or under uh, schools and hospitals, etc. And uh, it was discovered again this week, early part of the week, uh, that there were tunnels found under UN schools in Gaza. And this, this, this nonetheless, un- nonetheless, all of this has never led the UN Security Council to call Hamas a terrorist organization, right? They have not designated it, and the and we are calling for it. Since Bilal as well, the the uh, uh, Security Council, but but it's even more. I mean, we we have t- taken no uh, real effort. We've seen no real effort on the part of the UN to rein in UNRWA, which has no reason to exist. It is uh, it's an uh, you know an ac- an anachronistic. Uh, left over from 70 years ago when every other population, refugee population, is dealt with by the High Commissioner of Refugees. Only Palestinians have their own agencies and have their own committees in the UN and budgets set aside and uh, lots of money, millions and millions of dollars that we should be saying finally no more. And the calls to disband UNRWA are certainly warranted. Uh, they, those duties can be assumed by others, but we've seen the corruption of, of UNRWA by officials from there who, who operate as political uh, operatives, uh, including serving in elected positions with, uh, within Gaza, uh, and who have allowed UNRWA to be uh, used for the extremist purposes. You remember the schools and during the war and all yeah, of the sure. things. But this time, the tunnels go underneath the UNRWA schools. And now they can't deny that they had any knowledge, that somebody there didn't have knowledge that they were doing this. And they... And those who are are uh, brighter, who, who have commented on it, noted that this is exactly what they want to do. They want to draw fire onto schools because if Israel finds out where the tunnels are and they have to respond to the tunnels because they shoot from there, then Israel will be accused again of, of uh, targeting civilians. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world at com, the NSN Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Is uh, Russia responsible for uh, killing ISIS leader Baghdadi? We don't have confirmation of it that I know of, but it's it, uh, it's something that probably took place a month ago, and uh, I'm sure that if they waited this long, it's probably because they were waiting for some sort of confirmation. It would be a big move if they did. And um, in general, Russia, just remind me, Russia feels... Um, uh, threats from ISIS within the country. There have been sure. there have been plenty of attacks, correct? 
they are in attacks, and because you have uh, many people from Chechnya and other Muslim areas and parts of the former Soviet Union and the Soviet Union who have gone to fight in Syria, and uh, which pose a threat. And as you know, Mo- uh, Russia has a huge Muslim population, and the the big part of the military officer corps are Muslims, and they're very worried about radicalization, especially like all the other countries in Europe and elsewhere that have hundreds and hundreds of people fighting from China to the United States, fighting in Syria, worry about it, especially as ISIS is being defeated and, and cut down in size. Russia has numerous agendas, though. So one is that they claim they killed 300 fighters also uh, that they want to eliminate, and, and France sent 30 people to be a hit squad to eliminate French soldiers who are fighting there. Because you, you can't know when they come home. You, you know, they come home with passports, they can slip into Europe anywhere, and all of a sudden you're going to face a really serious issue. I mean, you're facing a serious issue, but I'm talking about translated into tragedies. So for Russia, th- their main thing is to keep Assad in power, to keep their military bases. They don't care that much about the rest, even with Iran expanding its influence. And we know that Soleimani, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, the head of their uh, Al-Quds Brigade and the, and the mastermind of a lot of the stuff that we have seen uh, is, has been seen on the Syrian-Iraqi border. And what we believe is that they are bringing together uh, the different forces from uh, on both sides, the Shiite forces on both sides of the Iraq and Syrian uh, border to create a contiguous uh, presence. And this is part of the plan that Iran has to build uh, uh, a land corridor from Tehran through Iraq, Syria, Lebanon to the Mediterranean, and along Israel's borders. They, uh, uh, the United States has set up an area in Ogozon, which actually blocks that, but ISIS was controlling areas that block the Iranian uh, aspiration. The Russians uh, don't have a similar uh, goal. They want to control the area n- near Latakia and, and Tardis, where they have their bases, and the, what will be an Alawite area for uh, President Assad. So, so that, that j- just uh, that the it, the numbers though really are are important in this case that the the Iran Revolutionary Guards have formed, trained, and deployed I think forty two brigades and one hundred thirty eight battalions of Shiite forces, and now we're talking about tens of thousands of people who are now and and, and this is in addition to the population shift that Iran is engaged in in Syria, replacing Sunni populations with Shiite populations. So how does Russia react? We know how the U.S. reacts, or at least I would conjecture how they would, but how does Russia react when the Iranian uh, Navy-guided missile boat harasses U.S. Navy ships in the Strait of Hormuz? Well, anything that uh, embarrasses the U.S., I think Russia right now welcomes. Even if it's a show of strength by Iran, or especially if... Well, no, I don't think it's especially, but I think it's it's anything that embarrasses. And you see that they try to, uh, Putin very cleverly manipulates every one of these uh, situations. The, the Iranian harassment, again, of our ships, three of our ships just a day ago, and a helicopter. Again, it's it's a result of the fact that we we don't take the kind of action that sends a strong message because they won't do it again. They, they wouldn't continue this these actions if they got an appropriate response. And, and I think the fear that they w- that will escalate or whatever is not founded. They continue to do what they do regardless, and they probe for the weakness. And when they find it, 
then they then they exploit it, and they they're constantly exploiting it. Um, Israeli Israel had to restore its diplomatic. I don't know about had to. Israel restored its diplomatic ties with New Zealand. It was that one UN Security Council resolution that had strained relations between the two countries. Yeah, it was two two three four uh, when the, the September. But Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke to the Prime Minister in New Zealand, and he expressed, or or he called and expressed regret for the vote. And uh, so the ambassadors return, and hopefully relations are off to a much better start. The uh, we're speaking so much about the UN these weeks. Um, the uh, Jerusalem Post reports on the Palestinians claiming the tomb of the patriarchs, Marat Machpelat, UNESCO. That would mean exclusive to them, as opposed to any mention of Jewish heritage with the Mara, right? Well, what they're doing is that they're uh, asking that the old city of Hebron, which would include the Martha Marchela and uh, and all of its environs, um, that would be designated as a World Heritage Site in danger. And so, a, it's a claim that Israel is not sustaining and protecting the places, and would um, uh, enable them to make claims then for. Uh, regarding the sites and and, and uh, interfere even more. Obviously, it's a false claim. It's not the first time they've done this regarding other places, the Kotel and uh, Maratha Machbela is not the the first example of this, and they, it's not the first time they actually make reference to it. They've done it before, but it's it's this continuing secundering of a, of a UN agency of UNESCO and and manipulating it and its agenda from all of the other issues that it should be dealing with and the UN should be dealing with. So we've seen condemnations, we've seen criticisms of it, but they continue because they get away with it. It goes back to what we talked about earlier. Um, yeah, but in this case, we've gone ahead over the last you know 50 years, frankly, and it allowed them to have the same access to the Mara that we have. Uh, right. I, I think that's a little bit of a different battle than the Kotal battle would be. Uh, no, but it's it's the principle. They're not they're not limiting uh, our access by this. Right. They they are making complaints about uh, some of the conditions, and most of the conditions that are bad is because of of the the lack of cooperation, involvement, and and the waqf there of the of uh, the Mara and the waqf at the of Hebron both complimented the Israelis in the past for their. Cooperation for the facilitating things, letting them have their feasts there, and and the conditions in the inside the, um, the their mosque there, and of course the overall conditions. They've co- consistently complimented them on it. Yeah, and never more than now during Ramadan, mm-hmm. which is when they make uh, you know every accommodation they possibly can. The prime minister's trip this week was to Greece, to Cyprus, to both. What was that? It's it's uh, a visit to Saloniki, which is in Greece. Uh, but the president of Cyprus came there, and this is the second trilateral meeting of the second or third trilateral meeting of the three heads of state. It's part of this new coalition, and we have been very involved in it, uh, working with the Greek American leadership to help foster it with the leaders in Greece and, and Cyprus. And we go every year to to visit with their leaders, the leaders of the three countries, to reinforce it. It's very critical as a building block for a bigger Mediterranean initiative, but with the energy now and other things. And Greece, even when the leftist government came in, people said it wouldn't be friendly. And in fact, Greece is more friendly, and the, they give Israel strategic depth. They let Israel's Air Force fly and do exercises over the islands that they have, and um, the two militaries work very closely together. 
they do more increasing trade and even tourism. And th- uh, so the, this is a very important relationship. And if Israel would become a serious exporter of natural gas, they would need Greece's cooperation to build a pipeline. Well, one of the pipelines is Turkey. One of the pipelines would be to Greece to go from Greece into Europe. And the likelihood of that happening is good, I guess, if the way you're yeah, describing working on it. It's a very just... complicated thing to lay underground into very deep water, but that's uh, the plan. And when the discoveries first happened, so we started talking about you know Israel becoming energy independent. It's something you've mentioned every few weeks since then. Are we uh, are we very close to that? Far away? Is there you know is... Israel's energy independent by and large, and the the sites haven't been fully exploited yet. There are many more sites yet to be uh, developed that uh, are waiting. I know some of the com- com- companies. Uh, that were expected to bid on them didn't yet, uh, and there's a limitation that the existing companies are not allowed to bid on more than the um, the sites that they already have. Uh, and Israel's laws are a little bit anachronistic in this regard too. So <laughs> it's a complicated process. But the relationship between Cyprus and Israel, Cyprus is literally 40 minutes by plane from Israel. And many, many are going there, and there's a kosher restaurant in Lanark Canal, and there's Chabad in, in, in Cyprus, and I think 600 Jews who live there. Uh, but that relationship is also developed, and the president of Cyprus showed me on his desk, he has a special phone, which is a hotline to Netanyahu. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, but I was asking more, because we know about the wealth that you know certain... Uh, oil-producing countries have not that not that I'm you know that anxious to take away their fortunes, but I, I assume at some point uh, countries like Israel and others who are able to you know uh, outsource and export other sources of energy are going to make a dent. I would guess in their oil exports. Am I right, or is that uh, is it so small that it won't have any effect on the on the? Oh no, it will have an effect, it, and it also limits the control that OPEC can have. Right. Uh, and on production, and this is gas, by, by the way, primarily, right. and, and the um, uh, Israel's ability to export to be water sufficient and energy sufficient solves two of the most critical problems that Israel was was facing, and it strengthens as much as as part of the security situation as is the IDF and the military capacity. This is uh, these are very significant developments, and the fact that the the find is the size it is. And hopefully, you know, Cyprus also has fines off its waters. It has a huge claim, not so much of territorial waters, but economic waters. And the pipeline to to Turkey, for instance, would have to go through it. So there was a little tension there, but I think they worked it all out. By the way, I wanted to ask you, we talk about the relationship with other countries and how some, some leaders have this close relationship with Israel. Um, you must hear, I would assume, from Jewish leadership in London, about the relationship between the Jewish community and the mayor of London at this point, uh, Mayor Sadiq Khan is. You know, I think there was some apprehension among the Jewish community. Um, do you hear anything about whether there is, in fact, a cordial relationship or not with the mayor and the Jewish community? What I've heard so far is that there is, and you know that he turned to the Israeli police for guidance in dealing with the terrorism that they face, and he has attended when there was a tragedy in the Jewish community. So as far as I know, the, that relationship, the relationship with the Labor Party is terrible and getting worse. And as Corbyn is unrepentant and continues on his way, the, uh, the question whether they will come back will, will depend. And, 
you know, there's a lot of assessment going on about why young people would vote for somebody who, who has harbored such horrific views, hostile views to the Jewish community and to, to certainly to Israel. And um, uh, there's a lot of this, uh, analysis and that and we've had discussions with people in Great Britain about it. Uh, it certainly is discomforting to them. Uh, but the government will still be run by Mrs. May for now, at least, and and the uh, DUP, the Irish uh, Party, will come in. Uh, the Northern Ireland Protestant Party will come. Uh, uh, Protestant Party will come in, and they are very pro-Israel. Uh, it's interesting that he's consulting with Israel regarding terror. I would think that most European nations and European leadership, when consulting with Israel, likely would not implement what Israel most of what Israel would recommend when it comes to terrorism. Am I right or not? No, they, actually, Israel is teaching all the countries. They have people working virtually everywhere: Africa, Asia, Europe, teaching the lessons they learned from everything from airport security, perimeter security, IDing potential terrorists. Everybody is using and, and hiring ex-IDF officers. They're, they're, I mean, it's sort of an employment program for guys who graduate from and finish their service. They all start up these security companies. I see one a week at least. Unbelievable. Uh, but what I was saying was, you know how different the airport experience is in Israel compared to European countries. Mm-hmm. I, I think certain things they just they hesitate to implement that make sense, but may you know may lead them to either be accused of something or they don't make you take off your shoes in Israel. Correct. That's one difference, for instance. Yes. But it just, it, just, it just seems that you know they're, they're not they're not looking for liquids in Israel. They're looking for terrorists, and I don't know if you, if, if if European leadership's ever going to be able to adjust to that. Frankly, I mean that's just one thing. It's just airline security. I understand, but uh, if you're telling us that they do follow the Israelis and they implement what they have to say and they're hiring Israelis to do what they need, well, to they do. make their own decisions. But yes, they they look to Israel for guidance on a lot of the terrorism issues. Right. Cooperation uh, everywhere. Iranian presence in South America is something we haven't discussed in a few weeks. Could you tell us what's happening in that regard? Well, there were hearings this past week, and uh, um, Professor Odolengi and others who have testified talking about the expansive efforts of, of Hezbollah, which includes cigarette smuggling, and I know people think it's not significant. It yields them tens of millions of dollars a year, and they have operations here in New York, but throughout South America, and it comes from West Africa. I don't want to go through the the whole thing, but it is uh, uh, serious because Hezbollah's activities are often funded by by the local um, mafia operations that they have, and it's tied into organized crime. It's tied into narco-terrorism. It's tied into really bad activities. And you saw the arrests here that, that the Hezbollah is present in the United States, and, and this is only one example of, of many such uh, arrests and trials that that, um, have t- that take place, and some of them get very little uh, attention. But it's, it's really critical that people understand and that the hearings are uh, as something we have urged for a long time were were very important because of what they heard about the extent of these activities and the impact that they could have. Yeah, but we don't hear, I, I mean, I understand that there's the presence that you just described. The reason, you know, al-tiftach peh, the reason we don't hear of more terror attacks, though, um, and, you know, that that we see in Middle Eastern countries, in, in places like South America, if these... Is- they're thwarted in many cases. They, they're prevented. Um, the, it's a good intelligence. FBI 
NYPD, others uh, really devote a lot of resources to this. But you saw in Europe yesterday announced that there were 140 attacks last year, either thwarted, uh, caught in the process of uh, being perpetrated. Um, so the, the real numbers of, of incidents, if you accumulate all of the facts about the attempts here or the prevented or those that were not completed for other reasons, the numbers are quite significant. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, you saw that Robert Kraft has brought 18 Hall of Fame NFL players to Israel? Yes, he did done this, I think, the second year or third year in a row. Pretty we, amazing. Uh, America's Voice of Israel also brought a trip of, of uh, football players in uh, I think they do. he does it in conjunction with the Hall of Fame so that there are a lot of former players. Right. But, uh, yeah, he's he, what he's done, and, you know, he's... Um, donated a lot to build stadium and other things in the craft field and craft stadium in uh, in Israel. So it's a very important. And, and these guys come back and they speak to many audiences. And when it's why we do the program we do of bringing influentials from all segments, entertainment, you know, science, religious leaders from all the target communities that we would want to reach. And we have serious problems. And, and this is a one way of of countering it is because it's so contrary. The experience of Israel is so contrary to what most of them anticipate. I couldn't believe some of the names I saw uh, that are part of that trip. And it just shows you that if people want to be creative, there are a lot of things aside from financial support, a lot of things people can do to really help when it comes to Israel. And you would, you would argue that just like uh, these people are coming back and saying positive things, each of us can be ambassadors right here in this country and convince people and, you know, rightfully uh, uh, tell people how important Israel is and all the positive aspects of Israel. To tell the story again, tourism is hitting records every month now, and this year is well on its way to being a record year. But it's still small compared to what it should be. And I think that, that there's so much that they can be proud of. And, and when we talk about, look, look at what the Africans are doing, how they're reaching out to Israel, the, the kind of reception uh, that they get, uh, that the Prime Minister got on his recent visit, second, and he will be playing, paying a, another one that uh, I heard uh, uh, soon. So What month? When he would, he just was there last month, and I think the next one is in the fall, oh. if I'm not mistaken. But the, um, you know, there's just so much now, there's so much distortion and misrepresentation. Uh, I know the Swiss Parliament voted to end funding of, of anti-Semitic NGOs. We're seeing more and more states, 20 states that have anti-BDS legislation. I can't the, figure out the Europeans. One nobody can. One day they, they do. They can't. How can we? One day they do that. The next day they're going crazy about settlements. Well, it's like at the UN. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. There are similarities, but <laughs> but fifty governors signed anti BDS statements. You know, there's just a lot going on, and and um, we have to tell the story, and people assume people know it's not true. That's why these trips, Why when I began America's Voices I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, and we started, as you know, with uh, radio broadcasters and others, influentials in the media, and it kept expanding it amongst even young evangelicals. We have problems today, and, and taking them and letting them be exposed to Israel changes it. I'm talking about the millennial leaders who are emerging in the evangelical community, which you all assume would take for granted they're going to be pro if you don't work it, in the Hispanic community, tremendous impact and identification then uh, uh, with Israel. So it's it's um, 
everything we do is is important. Everybody we speak to, and the polls, our studies show that the numbers go up by multiples in terms of being pro-Israel when people talk to their work colleagues, their friends, everybody that they encounter. Yeah. Uh, I know we, we really had the, the the discussion we needed to have about Parsha Shlach we really did last week, but I just want to mention one thing to you before we wrap up, and this is, you know, graduation season, a lot of Parsha Shlach divrei Torah from the podium, and uh, it, they were so close. The Jewish people were this close to that generation becoming the generation that would conquer Israel. They were on the cusp. Moshe Rabbeinu sent in scouts, right? And they're on the cusp. And that was the generation to conquer Israel. And, of course, it became the generation that ended up dying in the desert. And sometimes I think we don't realize how close we are. And, unfortunately, as a community collectively around the world, we sometimes below the opportunity at the very, very edge at the last minute. As, as you've indicated to us men, many, many times, history repeats itself. Uh, let us hope that we're able to get over what has happened both in that episode and in subsequent episodes in Jewish history, and uh, act a little differently and, and get the job done, so to and speak. And we get so many reminders that, you know, there was an auction house that in the last week announced that six previously unknown photographs of the Mufti Hajjal Amin al uh, from 1943 with the Nazis, Himmler, and even with Hitler, uh, he was the Mufti from 21 till 37, you know, the uncle of, of Arafat, yep. and one of the leaders of the Palestinian National Movement, as they call it. Um, and he was uh, one of the instigators of the riots in 1920 and 1929 and 36 to 39. And, you know, there were people who denied it, who denied it to me when I mentioned it in speeches and stuff. And here are six new photographs emerged now, 70 years later, showing... His, in in um, that he had contact with the top leadership of the SS and Gestapo, and and even met with Hitler, and I I believe that each time these things that come out of nowhere, and, and next week maybe we'll discuss some of the amazing archaeological discoveries that just by chance somebody turning over a shard that ha- appeared blank and that they were just putting in a box and had the you know the the device to examine it. Uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's X-ray, but the, the um, that penetrates it. He just turned it over, and all of a sudden, he found the writings on it that they're now deciphering. But it's biblical texts from two and a half thousand years, and nobody saw it. Unbelievable! As, does anybody think this is just coincidence that some guy happened to flip it over, and now they're going through all the old, old things that they had discarded and put it away? to look and see whether there are additional messages and, and writing on a lot of these things. I, I, I tell you, I think if people are blind to all of this, I, I, I just don't understand it. I can't, I can't relate to people who can't see this, this reality and, and the messages that are constantly being sent to us and, and to wake up to it. It's, it is amazing. Well said. Uh, Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Fridays for the weekly update here at JMNAM. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful have, Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. And happy Father's Day. There he is, Malcolm Holine with us, Fridays at JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach with candle lighting at 8.09 in New York. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be next Shabbos and Sunday of next weekend. This Sunday is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there. And to all the graduates, we say Mazal Tov as well. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin.
spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parsha Shlach. According to the Chinuch, Parsha Shlach contains three mitzvos, two positive and one restriction. Parsha Shlach annually turns out to be one of the hardest parshios of the Torah. How could they do it? How could they reject, as Dovra Melech says, in Tilim 106, Vayim Asu Be'eretz Chemda. Literally, they found, I can't say the words, Mius is disgusting, Be'eretz Chemda, the land which Hashem chose for them, they rejected. And that's a soft way of translating what I just told you from 106 in Tehillim. The obvious question is, how? How could it happen that Moshe, who tells the Jewish people from literally the very first encounter that he has with Hashem at the burning bush, I'm going to take you out of Mitzrayim, and I'm going to bring you to the land, which is flowing with milk and honey, and it's a good land. Maybe we can justify, after all, they're about to go to war, to conquer, we need to know how to strategize, etc., perhaps. But how can we explain the fact that 10 out of the 12 Miraglim spies come back with such a terrible report? I'm going to suggest just one approach. I'm sure there are many, and this approach is cited in the Zohar, and it's quoted by the Mesilas Yeshorim in the end of chapter 11, where he speaks about Chemdas HaKavod. Unfortunately, when man has an incredible desire for honor, and his ego gets the best of him, and therefore he says as follows, Take a look. One, he quotes the case of Yeruvim ben Nevat. Now, Yeruvim ben Nevat was the one who, right after the death of King Shlomo, Solomon, he was given the opportunity and chosen as the king of the ten uh, tribes. And, unfortunately, call him what you want, paranoid, he forbade the Jewish people to go to Yerushalayim three times a year, lest they would go to Rechavim, Shlomo's son. Later on, God says to him, Yeruvam, I'm giving you the chance to do tshuva. This is found in the Gemara Sanhedrin 102, Amar Aleph. And God says, Chazor Bacha, to tshuva, Vi'ani, and I, Vi'ato, and you, Uven Yishai, you, me, and David Amelech, Nitayel Began Eden, will stroll together in Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. Could you imagine such an offer? Unbelievable. What's his response? Omalo, he says to Hashem, Mivorosh, who's going to lead in the procession? Meaning, of course, you, God, you're number one. But who is number two, David or me? Amalo Hashem says to him, Ben Yishai Barosh, 
David will be before you. If so, I don't want. And similarly, he tells us that regarding the Maraglim in this week's parsha, what caused it? He says, take a look in the Zohar, book 3, chapter 198. The Maraglim who spoke Lashon Hara, where did this come from? And I quote, Miyirasam from their fear, Penyim at Kvodam Bechnisas Haaretz, lest when they come into the land, they would not be Shaloyuheim Nesim Israel. They would no longer have their position of leadership. And because they would lose this position of leadership, they contrived all kinds of means to tell the people we can't do it. And the rest, as we know, is that sad, tragic history. Now, let's pause for one moment. What kind of covod, what kind of honor did they have in the desert? Yes, they had a title. But think about it. The entire desert environment is one of spirituality. And the answer is that in their minds, what they were doing was a mitzvah. Because they wanted greater spirituality. They didn't want to lose their closeness to Hashem and this spirituality by coming into the land of Israel and doing things in a more mundane way as opposed to being sustained by the mun, the heavenly food and enveloped by the Anane Kavod and their water coming from the air of Miriam and the late Lubavitcher Rebbe Zatzal in his teachings on Parsha Shlach 53 years ago, quoted the Lakute Torah, which says that the Maraglim did not want to descend from their heavenly spiritual level to build society. The idea that comes behind this is that we have to be careful. We have to be careful to question our motives, that too often our motives are pure and we think we're doing a mitzvah, when in reality it is, forgive me, just the opposite. Now, the Mesilas Yeshorim, in chapter 20, quotes several examples of this, and Rav Pam, in his Sefer, Atar Lamelech, has a chapter, an essay entitled Mishkal HaChasidus, which means evaluating your acts of goodness. So, for example, he quotes the Gemara in Brachos Taf Yud, which tells us the following, that Reb Tarfon came into the base Medrash and he was all bandaged up. And his Chaverim, Oigevalt, what happened? So he said, it was evening, and I laid down on the side of the road to recite the Shema in accordance with the teachings of Beis Shammai. Because when the Torah says, Beis understood referring to posture, that in the evenings you should lie down, and in the morning you should stand when you say the Shema. Beis Hillel said, no, you can say the Shema in any posture you want, sitting, standing, <clears throat> Lying down, it makes no difference, but there is no law that legislates that you must, but rather it means at nighttime when people go to sleep, in the morning when people arise. 
So when the rabbis saw their colleague Rotarfon all bandaged, he's bandaged up, what do you think they would have said? What would you have said? You would have said, oh, you were so sorry, it happened, etc. You know what they said? They said, good for you. Why would they say something as insensitive? They said, because the halacha has already been established like base Hillel. And by your unfortunate trying to be more strict for yourself, you were actually sending a negative message to the community that, well, we're not really following completely Beis Hillel. So that same act of what he thought was piety, perhaps the rabbis were saying to him, Reptarfon, had you thought it out a little more carefully, you would have seen that your pure motives perhaps were not so pure, and therefore the consequence of your action could have had negative consequence upon the community. This is a very powerful idea. The idea that a person has to weigh and measure their actions. And so, for example, the Chafetz Chaim taught on that which we say as part of the bracha in Ma'ariv every night. Vosir Satan me'achorenu umilfonenu. Take and remove the Satan that tries to literally hinder us from behind us and in front of us. From behind us, that you could understand to mean that he wants to move us backwards and bring us back. We've made certain progress. He wants us to regress. But what does it mean, Mufonenu, in front of us? It means that oftentimes we might think it's a mitzvah, but in that same mitzvah, we are in reality doing something which really could be perhaps an Aveira. Rav Pam Zechron Levracha gives the following example. A young couple are... Married, Baruch Hashem, with chill, small children, and they are going to a chasana, and they ask one of their parents to babysit. The grandparents are babysitting, and they stay out late. They stay out late after all the being misamea chasim v'kala. Their being misamea chasim v'kala, ay ay ay, is really to the disadvantage of the parents that are being kept from going to sleep, keeping or keeping out a babysitter, especially late. So you've got to weigh and measure your mitzvos. Is your mitzvah at the expense of? When you put on your talents in the morning, gentlemen, be very careful. Don't swing it around that it's going to hit somebody behind you in the face. Be sensitive how and when. You come into shul and you're all fired up with kavana. Be careful. Don't daven so loud if your davening is going to disturb the next person's davening. And even your gemilus chasodim, it's wonderful. Your wife is preparing dinner for you when you come home, usually at a certain time. And she's got it ready and she wants to make it special for you, etc. And sure enough, you're supposed to be home by 6 and it's now 6.30 and it's a quarter to 7. You don't call. So first of all, it's a chutzpah that you don't call. But you come home and you say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm late, etc. That I went and I did this person a favor, I drove him there. It's very nice that you do somebody else a favor, but what at her expense? And therefore, one has to do this very, very powerful Mishkal 
chasidus. This evaluation of your chasadim. Is it really a genuine chesed or perhaps it's not? And therefore, each and every individual has to learn from Parshas Shlach. The Torah tells us who were the ones that were singled out to be the spies. The Torah says in chapter 13, in Pasuk 3, Kulam Anoshim, they were all distinguished men. And Rashi says that Osa Sha'ak Sherim Hoyu, at that moment Rashi quotes the Tanhuma, they were kosher, they were distinguished, they were good people. And so look what happened to good people. Unfortunately, if it could happen to them, we have to ask ourselves, ay, 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 are we always so on the mark with our own actions? And therefore, therefore we have to constantly question our motives because after all each and one of us is the head of a family the head of a household and we make decisions are we making these decisions all the time because of our kavod or are we making these decisions really for what is best for each and every individual within the family and for the cause is it our own personal honor that we're afraid to have tarnished and therefore this is going to lead us and therefore number one we need to be aware of the potential conflict of interest that each and every one of us you know have when we get offended is it the principle or our personal honor that is being quote challenged and therefore we have to be we have to learn what it means to be foregoing and forgiving and giving in. And therefore, the first thing is one has to be sensitive to this fact that perhaps my mitzvos require greater scrutiny. The next thing is you need a Rebbe, you need a teacher, you need a confidant, you need a good friend, a Rebbe that you can bounce it off to make sure to check. We want to check to make sure that our food is kosher and to check to make sure you can do this on Shabbos. Well, check to make sure that your decision and your evaluation is correct. Make sure you've got a friend that's not going to simply yes you, but it's going to tell you if he thinks that you are unfortunately incorrect. And I'm going to recommend as well that we each try to find a little bit of time for the study of Musar, for the study of self-development, and exactly questioning your motives. There's such there's such an incredible array of sforim that you can find at your local sforim store. You can find the Chovos Halavavos, Duties of the Heart, and Mesilas Yesharim, The Path of the Just, and Rav Desla Zachor Levrachas, Mechtab Me'eliyahu, Strive for Truth, and there are so many, many more that you will find in the sforim store. Ask the gentleman. Tell him where you are. Tell him what you're looking for. Tell him you're looking to learn from the Meraglim. And they fooled them themselves by saying that they were doing a mitzvah when in reality it went against Hashem and it was a great Avera. May we be privileged to learn from them and even to evaluate with careful scrutiny our mitzvahs. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. My thanks, of course, to Yudin. On this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach with candle lighting at 8.09 in New York. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Mazel tov to the Danziger and Rubinoff families and to Mrs. Julie Danziger and family. 
Uh, Brian D. Danziger and Benjamin Rubinoff married last night. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also, this coming Sunday, our sports editor, Elliot Weiselberg and Amanda Loeb, they are getting married this coming Sunday. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And also to the Glaubach and Rosenfeld families, Zoe Glaubach and Eitan Rosenfeld are getting married this Sunday to Edie and Elliot and the entire Rosenfeld and Glaubach families. We say Mazal Tov. And to the grandparents of the um, of the Chatan, an extra special Mazda from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, our wonderful friend Allison Josephs, who's with us every single Thursday, 10 a.m. with Jew in the City Speaks. She, of course, has the incredible Jew in the City website. She's with us live via telephone. She has, I, I wouldn't say stumbled across, but she has um, embarked on a new project that has a terrific message in regard to Shabbos and the world in which we now live. Allison Josephs, Jew in the City, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. You can say stumbled because I think sometimes the best inspiration hits you when you don't expect it, and then maybe the next piece is doing something about it. So I did do that part as well. Good point. Uh, you, think, you, think, uh, you think a good part of this audience are familiar with the Simon and Garfunkel? I think so. I think that's the crowd you're drawing from, um, Nachum. <laughs> So Simon and Garfunkel have a lot of hits, but there's one in particular that you've paid careful attention to recently. So The Sound of Silence is a song that I very much grew up with, um, and I think it's just one of their most meaningful, most well-known, most impactful songs. It happens to be that us starting a project now um, related to Simon and Garfunkel has turned out to be very timely because they're beginning a 50th anniversary tour this summer. Oh, that's cool. So, um, we didn't even plan it that way, but, you know, <laughs> someone did. So um, we took note of uh, some lyrics. I took note of some lyrics from The Sound of Silence about a year and a half ago. I was listening to a cover by um, a guy named, or a band named Disturbed, uh, David Dramian, and I was listening to it again and again because it was just so powerful. And as I started listening to it, um, the people talking without speaking, people listening without hearing, people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made, I was like, this is technology. This, these are our devices. Yep. People don't actually, we actually, and I think back to my family, um, we're, we're good people, <laughs> but sometimes we're <laughs> on our devices too much, and we will just be sitting around you know, in the living room on a Sunday when everyone's home and there's not a word being said. Everyone's just glued to a screen or tapping on a device and the house is silent. And I started thinking about this is now our world. It's happening in everyone's home. It's happening all over streets. It's happening on dates. It's, this is our world now. And, but the thing is that over 3,000 years ago, we had the antidote to the sound of silence, which, of course, is Shabbos. And so I thought about how the sound of silence uh, you know, is juxtaposed, juxtaposed or differentiates from the sound of Shabbos, where there is laughter and there is miros, and where my kids will actually, you know, update us on what's going on in the week. We've gotten valuable information about things that's wor- that are worrying them or, you know, things that are on their mind. Um, and it's, there's a two very different sounds. And what I noted about a year ago when a very unlikely fan of Shabbos spoke out to Cosmopolitan magazine, um, pop star and very not Jewish singer Katy Perry told Cosmopolitan magazine that she wished the whole world had Shabbat. She actually used the word Shabbat. Um, and she said, you know, she said, okay, it doesn't have to be a religious day, right. but a day where everyone is off their devices and people are actually reconnecting. And she said, I really fear for this generation that nobody knows how to sort of interact 
anymore. And by the way, and you'd appreciate this, of course, uh, just what she's suggesting would bring everybody to higher spiritual heights. Just, just, just that minimum. For sure. Would, would bring everybody to uh, to a different level, to say the least. Um, all right, so so all this is going on. You've discovered how the lyrics are literally, and I love how the, uh, the neon god, I never even thought of that, how it's literally referring to um, uh, to you know the way things operate today. Uh, so then at some point, the Maccabees get into the picture. What happened? Oh, um, because I asked them. Other than ideas that I stumble upon, everything else I barrel into and make sure it happens. So, no, thank God. I um, have a very nice relationship with the Maccabees. We've done uh, different collaborations before. We did a deep fry Hanukkah challenge with Jamie Geller, Mindy Pellin, and one of the Maccabees by Hanukkah time. We did an all-stars video with them a few years ago. We regularly share their stuff because they regularly make great news, and that's what we're interested in. Right. So I presented this idea to them. And thank God these guys are in demand. They, I think, get a lot of different things pitched to them. But pretty quickly, um, the, you know, the head of the Maccabees, Chaim Harwitz, came back and said, yeah, the guys love this. We want to do this. I mean, it's great music. It's a song they love. And I think they got how powerful this message could be. And you, just, and you just literally released it like a couple of days ago. We released it Wednesday night. We are um, up to 45,000 views already. Um, and we're getting more and more people now, like Mayim Bialik has released it, and of course it's you know, special and personal to her because you know, she is a big fan of Shabbos. Uh, my friend Ethan Zahn, who is a reality TV star, winner of Survivor, um, authentic to him. But what's really so, and he released it actually just a few minutes ago, what's so incredible about this is that Look, we're, our, our tagline, we're, as a nonprofit, our mission is to rebrand Orthodox Jews and Judaism because we believe that our, our name, our reputation has been hijacked by the crooks, creeps, and extremists. Right. And a lot of the things that we talk about in Jew in the City are kind of Orthodox specific, although we do try to show why concepts like modesty and, you know, self-control are, you know, valuable and meaningful to everyone. Right. But for something like this, I think the world is so overwhelmed by their devices, it's like we're a kid in the candy store, and we're like, shut it off, like, get us out of here, and nobody knows how to do it, but we know how to do it. And so the comments that I'm getting from people across the board are chills, tears, I, I started crying, like, comment after, and let me tell you about the internet, it's not a very nice place, like, I mean, look, we still got the five thumbs down because, like, someone somewhere is upset about something, so, you know, we still, at first we were only getting thumbs up, I'm like, maybe Mashiach is coming, um, so, you know, there is still someone grumbling somewhere, but from people from across the board, I would, from Jews are writing in, I've celebrated Shabbos my whole life, and this just, you know, made it so much more impactful, made it so much more meaningful, and then I'm talking to you know, people that I know that come from secular backgrounds who are showing, who are Bali Chuva, showing it to their families, and they're telling them, wow, this is amazing. Wow, right. what, what you have in Shabbat is so special. I want, I want to save time to play the song. Allison Joseph's Jew in the City just released Wednesday. It's Sound of Silence done by the Maccabee to cover the Simon and Garfunkel song. And just a word on the video itself, Allison, because there's a message even from the visual, right? Um, so, I mean, the visual, um, sort of like the, the deeper story, you see the mother, me, very tech-obsessed, maybe a little bit like reality. She <laughs> is texting and driving. A flash of light from the song appears, and then she leaves her family, so you can sort of interpret where she might have gone. Right. And, um, and then you see, you know, what the world could have been like, what our world could have been like if she was off her devices, which is the world of Shabbos, which is, uh, you know... Uh, a touch, uh, a taste of Olam Haba, as we know. Well, I always say that we highlight people who declare that Shabbos is more important than anything else, and of course, you've been doing that for God knows how long. Great concept. 
Maccabees extremely popular. We were with them on Wednesday night at Yiddish Soul. Uh, people love them, and I'm sure plenty more people, in addition to those 45,000, are going to see the video and hear their version of the song, and no doubt get this very important message about Shabbos. Call like a vote to you, and any information people need, they can see what you wrote about it on uh, JewInTheCity.com, right? Yes, they can. Thank you, Allison. Have a, and by the way, have a wonderful Shabbos. You too. <laughs> there you go. Allison Joseph's Jew in the City. Here's what it sounded like when she asked the Maccabees to perform this classic selection from Simon and Garfunkel with Shabbos in mind. You're listening to JM in the AM. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seats while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains Within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neat the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light That split the night And touched the sound of silence in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more People talking without speaking People hearing without listening People writing songs That voices never share And no one dares
There you have it. It is the Maccabees in a uh, unique and interesting um, a performance. The cover of Sound of Silence, but in this case, as Allison Josephs explained to us, its relationship to Shabbos and then, of course, going into uh, Bowie Vesholem like that just uh, emphasizes the point. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parsha Shlach and candlelighting at 8.09. Coming up, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two. It's part two of Naomi's interview with Moses Wendell, executive chef from Beast, and Alex Remmer, executive chef from Fireside. They're both in Muncie. She also welcomes Mikey and Bella Lowy from Spices for Less. That's all happening at 9 a.m. Eastern Time right after us, just a few minutes from now here after JM and the AM. And the Arab Shabbos Music Mix and the Live Lunch with Mark Zamek, all brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem. That music mix will go all the way until candlelighting time past 8 o'clock tonight uh, for you to enjoy and to start Shabbos with. There is no better way to start Shabbos than with our Erev Shabbos music mix. Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Shabbos and Sunday of next week is Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Shabbos and Sunday. We also say Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. This Sunday is Father's Day. And to all the graduates out there, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at uh, JM in the AM. All the graduates from all the different schools who are moving on and acknowledging and having their accomplishments acknowledged um, during the wonderful graduation ceremonies. It is time to say good Shabbos. Journeys at JM in the AM. Special blessing on a cup 
I want to remind everybody the second annual Yom Iyun for Petil Dechelet happens down this coming Sunday in Baltimore, Maryland. Congregation Shomri Amuna beginning at 9 a.m. with Herschel Schechter of Arya Leibowitz, Rabbi Benzion Halberstam. Techelet.com for information. Techelet.com. Achenu Yisrael and Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at nachomsegal.com on the nachomsegal network and of course on the beloved nsn app wraps up an amazing week for us here at jm and the am and the nachomsegal network plenty more coming up that's right 9 a.m naomi nachman she's next with table for two you could watch it all on the homepage at nachomsegal.com 10 a.m. begins our Erev Shabbos music mix and live lunch with Mark Zamek. That goes for 10 hours all the way until candle lighting time uh, at about 8.09 in New York City. So enjoy it. Kedem presents it. It's amazing. It's the best way to prepare for Shabbos no matter where you are around the world. Have a fabulous Shabbos, a great weekend. Happy Father's Day all until tomorrow. Excuse me. Until Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember... Tomorrow night, I've rummy with Saturday Night Seagull. And Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis beginning at 7 a.m. Till Monday, Nachum Seagull reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.